hey, there's lots of services out there that talk about Google reviews. But why don't you listen to a couple of users of Clinic Gym Connect who talk about how easy it can be to get Google reviews through text messaging. Remember, texts get opened five times more than emails. So if you're sending requests for Google reviews, man, oh man, is it worth your time to send it via text? Here's Mark and Carson talking about their experience using Clinic Gym Connect. We have a automation set up where it sends them a text responding to it saying, hey, thanks for your feedback. Would you mind sharing that in the form of a Google review? Leave the uh, link in there. It's a simple click. And we've seen some success with that. Out of the nine and tens, I would say it's about 25% leave Google reviews. We had one patient a couple of weeks ago who, you know, wasn't really warm when they came in. We uh-huh. sent them through the new patient campaign, sent them a picture, made it easy for them to get here. Seemed fine at checkout. And then I go and get a notification that night that they left us a five-star Google review. So I was like, whoa, I was not expecting that. So it just shows that, you know, you never know how everybody's going to react. On my calls, when I originally pick up the phone, oh, why'd you you choose us? What brought you here? I've gotten a handful that say, no, well, on Google, seen a bunch of good things being said. So that's one of the first things I look at. And it made it easy for us to pick you. So just like that, you can collect a bunch of text message-based Google reviews. Now, Mark and Carson have done a great job of this, but I have to tell you, we have another user who sent out a boatload of requests and in one weekend got 64 new Google reviews. I mean, talk about success. So if you're interested in those kind of numbers, check out clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com or email me and be happy to set up a demo for you. Thanks a lot. Are you a chiropractor or physical therapist that believes in exercise, wants to make some money, and wants to provide the absolute best care for your patients? Well, then you are in the right place. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley, and this is Clinic Gym Radio, where we talk about the Clinic Gym hybrid model, which is combining the best parts of healthcare with active care and fantastic exercise programs to get patients the best care they can while helping you make more money in this game. This is Clinic Gym Radio, and I'm Dr. Josh Satterley. I'm excited for you to be here. Hey, welcome to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I think it's the best podcast on the internet. I am your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and today it's just me, and I want to talk today about floor plans. Now, before we start there, I want to invite you personally to our Clinic Gym Hybrid Live event, May 21st to 22nd at Parker University. You can find more information at clinicgymhybrid.com slash live, L-I-V-E, And you will see why I think this is going to be the best uh, seminar you take all year. So there are 12 CE credits available, continuing education units for chiropractors. But even more than that, we're going to be talking all about the entire clinic gym model, how to build it, how to grow it, how to train a team, how to get work off your shoulders, and how to get people, your trainers, your CAs to work on your behalf. You got to have a unified system of rehab. You got to have a unified system of exercise. Everybody's got to be on the same page, but don't worry. We are bringing you in, teaching you that, teaching you an encyclopedia of exercises. And the reason we chose each of those exercises, sometimes it has to do with less space. Sometimes it has to do with less equipment. Sometimes it has to do with the fact that we want you to make more money. But every single one of the things we teach you this weekend are going to be super impactful. So once again, May 21st and 22nd at the beautiful Parker Fit facility on the campus of Parker University in Dallas, Texas. You want more information? Go to clinicgymhybrid.com slash live. Love to see you there. We're going to cover the business of rehab, the business of exercise, and how to totally transform the business model 
in most chiropractic offices, which I think is broken. It, we, you can't repair it. It is just, you got to say goodbye. You got to let go. You got to say, hey, it was great while it lasted, but it ain't working anymore. So if you want to find out how to do that, then join us May 21st and 22nd in Dallas, Texas. And with that, let's dive into floor plans. So on this episode, I want to talk about floor plans because I think it's often overlooked as a part of your business model. And overlooking it uh, can create some serious issues. And if you get it right, it allows you to make a whole lot more money. So I also want to cover it because floor plan and the space that you have is basically the number two uh, expense you have. So number one is always people. Uh, People, employees are always the number one expense. Second to that is usually your mortgage or lease. And uh, so therefore, it's imperative we get it right. So let me start off with some kind of facts. So some of you might be renting a little bit of space. Uh, In my career, I've rented a spot that was just under 400 square feet. I've rented a 1,400 square foot office. I've rented a, um, let me think of the first one, 2,000 square feet. And uh, a clinic gym hybrid I have was just under 5,000 square feet. For most people listening, I think we should start by talking about a 1,500 square foot space. Now, why 1,500 square feet? Well, if you go across the country and you look at most strip malls, 1500, they're usually broken up into 1,500 square foot spaces and derivatives of that. So 3,000, 4,500, blah, 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 blah. So I think it's very easy to find a 1,500 square foot space. If I were going back and starting a clinic gym hybrid today, uh, I would rent a 1,500 square foot space. I would keep And I always say you want to have the one-third, two-thirds rule. Two-thirds of that space at least should be the gym. One-third should be the clinic, waiting room, and bathroom if it's necessary or it's in your space. If there's a common bathroom down the hall, totally cool as well. Now, why do I like this? From an operational standpoint, I think it's it's, uh, interesting. Most of what we do can be done in open space. And my friend Jason Glass always said the most important training tool you can ever have is open space. With open space, you can do anything. So if you think about it, most of your clients probably would be okay being adjusted, having muscle work, getting dry needling, doing rehab out in an open floor gym setup, right? So you might want to have that thousand square feet and over on the wall have a couple treatment tables. I think that's a fantastic way of using it. And it also shows everybody in the gym that, hey, there's another level of expertise here in the clinic And I can get that clinic treatment as well. I think that's very important to constantly be selling that service. Now, I always recommend having at least one private exam room because that private exam room allows you to do histories, talk about finances, and every once in a while, you're going to need to, say, do dry needling on someone's glutes and you need to expose their butt. Uh, Maybe, you know, some people don't want to have, some women won't want to have their back treated out in the open uh, if they have to lift up their shirt. Totally fine. Uh, And those things happen in a clinic, but just having that that private space is good. If you have the space, it's always great to have a private area for your trainers as well. Give them a little area to chillax and um, kind of collect themselves, write programs, uh, handle different aspects of patient care. That is perfect. But in 1,500 square feet, you got to use every square foot to, uh, to your advantage. So that takes me to... Another thing about that thousand square feet, magic happens at that thousand square feet of gym space. uh, And that's a total of 1500 square feet in total rented space. Now, hopefully it's open with no beams 
or sorry, no columns in the middle taking up floor floor space, and it has a high enough ceiling. 12-foot ceilings are actually optimal. Uh, gives it an open feeling without uh, without feeling claustrophobic or anything. I know that a lot of people in this group have done uh, or used this model in a lot smaller space, but I think that 1,500 square foot is awesome. So uh, furthermore, 1,000 square feet. Here's the math on that. As a general rule, when you're running classes, and I think small group fitness classes led by a very experienced and knowledgeable coach are the best way to make serious money in the clinic gym hybrid model. That's what you can sell your memberships into is these class-based training sessions. So it's like personal training in a group setting. Why do we want to sell that? Let me cover the whys of why we like four-person classes. Number one, four people allows that smart trainer to adjust every person's exercise to be specific to them that day. Whatever their aches and pains are, whatever their injury they're coming off of, if they just came from the clinic or if they have a special event they're training for, we can adjust every exercise to personally fit that person on that day. Why is that important? Because the thing we sell in the clinic gym hybrid model is expertise. That's what we sell. We don't sell space. We don't sell equipment. We don't sell, hey, we have more hot tubs than the, the next guy down. We, we have more space than 24-hour fitness. No, we don't. We won't ever have that. But what doesn't? what does 24-hour fitness not have? Expertise. So sell expertise. Small group classes allow you to do that. If you have 20, 25, 30, 40 people coming in, you just can't demonstrate expertise with one coach. So why else that 1,000 square foot uh, space in that one-third, two-thirds ratio? Well, it's for this. When you're operating in those small group classes, it's good to have 75 to 100 square feet per person in the class. So let's just say 100 square feet per person. You have a four-person class. You would need 400 square feet. But what we're going to talk about today is that floor plan that would allow you to run a second class at the same time because it's not like every hour of the day has an equal opportunity for people coming into classes. Everyone who owns a gym will tell you they're busy in the morning, they're busy in the afternoon slash evening, and maybe if you're lucky and your area is the right, you'll have a surge at noon or lunchtime. But at 10 a.m., they're pretty wide open. At 2 p.m., they're pretty wide open. So you need to make the most out of the hours that people want to be there. Now, things have certainly shifted after all the changes with COVID, and it's a little bit more spread out throughout the day, but you're still going to see, especially that morning crowd, people want to work out at 530, 6, 6.30, 7, 7.30, and then it kind of drops off a cliff. So having that thousand square feet allows you to have a four-person class that started at say 6 a.m. And we want another 400 square feet that will allow us to have a second class backing them up that starts at 6.30 a.m. So we have a 6 a.m., a 6.30 a.m. In a small space like that, you can run classes every half hour if you have it set up correctly. If you don't have it set up correctly, it's going to be a nightmare. It's dumb. And it's, uh, it's going to be tough. Now, four people plus four people is eight people times 100 square feet gets us to 800. What's the rest of the 200 square feet? Well, at any point, you can have a couple patients getting some one-on-one rehab or people in the gym doing one-on-one training. So they're paying a higher level of membership to get one-on-one training. But they get to be surrounded by a bunch of other people who are active, who are hollering, screaming, high-fiving each other, hitting PRs, and all the great aspects of a gym. So that 1,000 square feet is about perfect 
And we're also uh, accounting for, you know, equipment will take a little bit of space off of, uh, the footprint of equipment does take some square footage off of that. So that thousand will really be more like 900 after you add all your equipment in and it takes up space. Do everything you can to get everything off the floor. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about organizing the space. So why is this so important? Well, your exercises that you do have to match your program. And your program has to match your business model. And your business model has to match the flow of your, of your facility. And the flow of your facility has to serve the patients and clients in their goals. And those goals have to be in line with your exercises. So there's all these aspects that have to kind of come together for this to work. And so when we put together our program, we can use our program to dictate how our uh, floor plan should be set up. And we can say, funny enough, that our floor plan or this episode is brought to us by the letter U. I know if you ever watch Sesame Street, they'd always talk about this episode is brought to you by the letter R, right? So the letter U. U is the best shape of a floor plan or the best flow of a floor plan, and I'll tell you why. So in, in our program, we recommend a start. So number one, you're going to start with soft tissue, which might be foam rolling, stick work, mobility, whatever. Then everybody's going to work move into the warm-up or neurological prep, right? Where you do ladder drills or uh, different aspects like that. Then they're going to move into, um, if you have time, that explosive plyometric area. Then they go to strength exercises one. Then they go to strength exercise station two. Then they go to cardio. Uh, and then they finish with a group photo and a high five. Cool. So the setup of your facility should flow that way. So just starting out at the tip of one of the halves of the U, if every class starts with a soft tissue prep, we want to, let's just use foam rollers as an example. If you're a foam roller hater, send me an email. You and I can get into a battle. But if you're a foam roller uh, hater, uh, you must also hate afferent signals to the motor control system like, you know, Raffinian corpuscles and mechanoreceptors and uh, Golgi tendon organs. But anyways, I digress. So if it starts with soft tissue, let's have a setup where soft tissue always happens in the same area. We don't want people randomly spread out throughout the entire space, but we instead want them in a very specific area where also the foam rollers, the sticks, the lacrosse balls are all right there, right? Typically, we want people getting on the ground for this, so it'd be good to have like turf or some sort of softer surface. People really like that, but I'll get into flooring in a second. Have that area for soft tissue. Then when you move to the next station, that soft tissue prep will last about 10 minutes. And we moved to the next station, which is warm-up and or range of motion exercises. So maybe this is mini band work. Maybe this is um, open warm-up where you have people getting into uh, different positions. Maybe we want to warm up their neurological system so you have them play games. Maybe tossing t tennis balls against the wall or um, you know, doing what I call hogger house, which is like a partner band warm-up where... Uh, you're standing one leg, then the other trying to pull over your, you have a band going between you and another person and you're trying to pull that person off balance. Anyways, these are all great prep things. So that can be a station that has all that equipment or open space to do it. So we move from soft tissue prep to that neurological warm-up, and then they're going to move over to their plyometric station. So that might be where you have boxes for box jumps. That might be where you have, um, uh, ladders, right? It might be where you have medicine balls for side tosses and ball slams and things like that. We do that kind of warm up. Now you should be, if you're following that U shape, you should now be at the first corner where the side of the U turns into the bottom of the U. I think that's the best place for strength 
uh, strength station one. So in our workouts, we typically do two strength stations. Each strength station has um, a few different exercises, usually three. So you want them to do strength station one. That could be, say, squat racks. So you have your squat racks, your big bar power movements are done in that first strength station. That's the bottom of the U. It's all in that area. Then they're going to move to the other side of the U, which will be our second strength station. And maybe this is more dumbbells and kettlebells, right? And so we do our exercises there. And then finally, they end up at the top of the opposite side of the U, which would be our cardio station. That's where you'd have your air bikes, your battle ropes, your ski ergs, your rowers, all clustered in that area, depending on the day and what we're doing that day. And so it allows you to flow through that U every time. People are not crossing or trying to swim upstream to do exercises. It always goes in that flow. It always allows us to have plenty of space for everybody. And if we just add up the time-wise, cardio plus strength one and strength two, uh, aka the second half of the workout, should be about 25 to 30 minutes. And soft tissue, neurological, plyometric uh, should be about 30 minutes as well, 25 to 30 minutes. Um, if I were going to reduce any, it's that warm-up. I'd shorten the warm-up to make sure they have plenty of time on the strength side. Anyways, 25 minutes on the first half, 30 minutes on the second half. That allows another class to start every 30 minutes, right? Because that first area will be cleared out every 30 minutes. That allows you to do a good job of having a class at, I would just give you common times, 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m., 7 a.m., and maybe 7.30 um, and allow you to do that 55-minute small group uh, personalized training that will uh, be the most profitable and most exciting for them to do. So that you is really important. Now let's talk about the you in your first year. I would say that as a general rule, no one I've ever met uh, keeps the same floor plan they opened with on day one. You realize that certain equipment should be in different places. You realize that maybe you want to have an open wall. Um, I would say, again, open space and especially open walls, especially open walls where you can bounce medicine balls off of are at a premium. And most people overlook that. Um, Anyway, so if you're in your first year, my suggestion is always this. Keep it simple. Find your open space for your thousand square feet of gym. And the only flooring you should have is what's called rolled rubber flooring. I would have it about an inch, I'm sorry, half an inch thick. I think rolled rubber flooring is way uh, multiple times significantly uh, way more better than horse stall mats. Horse stall mats are not square, so you get cracks of varying sizes. The surface is tough to clean. They're solid black. I like rolled rubber flooring when it has a little bit of color in it because it hides the dirt well. And people don't realize that, you know, hey, how dirty it is. Stall mats are notoriously look dirty. So I would just tell you that rolled rubber flooring, half an an inch to three quarters of an inch is a better setup than horse stall mats, okay? I will also tell you this. I've had two people now who tell me that the fire inspector in their area said no to indoor horse stall mats that they got from tractor supply or wherever because they're not fire rated. So that means they don't have a fire rating as an indoor product. So take that with uh, take that as you will. I like rolled rubber flooring. It's typically cheaper. It's about mm, two-thirds of the price of horse stall mats as well. So I'd highly recommend it. Anyways, I'd use that rolled rubber flooring and just have a C of it and allow yourself to set up uh, you know, the flow. 
Second thing I would do, I would take that and I would use, I would keep that rolled rubber flooring and I would use like blue painter's tape and I would create boxes of where certain stations are. So my soft tissue box, I would box it out with blue painter's tape. Why? Because it's not permanent. It can change at any point and you can always modify, come in over the weekend, pull up the painter's tape and move it down, make the box wider, shorter, longer, taller, whatever. And it also allows you to mark out where you want certain things to go. So if you have a rack of foam rollers, cool. It allows you to find that and designate that area for it. Um, I think it's worth going through that floor plan the first year, at least quarterly with your trainers and um, your coaching staff and say like, is everything set up well? I would wait until after the first year to even think about buying turf because that division of turf makes it more of a permanent thing and you want to make sure you know exactly where that turf should go. Second thing, that turf relegates that. The only reason to get turf really is either for soft tissue prep or more likely for sled work. Well, sled work's only um, important if you have enough length of that turf to uh, to do that sled work. So if you just don't have the right length or anything, then forget the turf. The rolled rubber flooring will be much better. So that's how you do it. A couple other things that I'd recommend. Remember we talked about a U? Most of the time, people make the mistake of setting up the U incorrectly. A good way to keep that flow and a good way to divide the U is to take your dumbbell racks and kettlebell racks and instead of having them against the walls, put them in the center of the room. That will be the center of your U. And if they face one direction, it tells everybody, hey, these are used for this station, aka strength two station, right? It allows you to divide the space and create that flow along the outside of that. What most people do inherently is they put the dumbbell racks up against the wall facing in. That's the opposite of what should actually occur. You should put them in the center of the room facing the direction you want to create that station. Do that and then excuse me, use the blue painter's tape to create strength station one, strength station two. You'll have a much more efficient use of space. So I highly recommend doing that. So uh, we could do a webinar all about this if you guys want. Just send me an email and tell me, hey, I want to see this visually with some um, feedback. But I think that's the best way to set it up is that you start out with all rolled rubber flooring with a little bit of color. So if you look at like perform better or something like that, it has little speckled. You can get it with blue specks or white specks or red specks. Whatever it is, that's just to visually distract you. Um, <clears throat> uh, visually distract you from seeing the little bits of dirt and little things that pile up uh, in that sense. But the other thing you can do if you have rolled rubber flooring, by the way, is it's a seamless surface. So it works really good to have the number one tool in a small gym like this, which everybody overlooks. Uh, and that is a Roomba or an automated vacuum. I think if you just set a vacuum to go off every night while you're gone, there, you, your gym can never be too clean. It just can't. And if you look at all the surveys of large organizations uh, who pull all their members, cleanliness, organization, those things are always at the top of why do I come back to this gym? Why do I pay a premium membership? You will never find a premium gym, a country club, Lifetime Fitness, Equinox, none of those that don't have aggressive cleaning procedures. So I would just say you can never be too clean. So with that, uh, think about your floor plan. Finally, I hope you know, I always preach on this podcast about my hatred of squat racks. It's not really that I hate them. It's just in a small gym, I think that they take up too much space and they're useless. 
if that thousand square feet has dumbbell kettlebell racks in the middle, maybe even medicine ball racks in the middle, and doesn't have squat racks, I'm just going to tell you, you end up with a whole lot more square feet as a net result. And that's better. Use every inch of that sucker to make more money. That'd be my suggestion. So I hope those tips are useful. Um, Use the letter U. Have a flow of things. Play with your floor plan multiple times. You'll realize like where people, uh, for example, where should you put your cubby? The cubby for people's shoes and bags and phones and everything should obviously be towards the front of the room, the top of the U, where they start, right? But you don't want to have it in an area where when they go to get their stuff at the end of class, they have to cross over another class's stuff. So how do you do that? These are all the fun things you get to figure out as a gym owner. Um, Also, cleaning is always tough. Cleaning foam rollers, cleaning the floor, cleaning um, the walls. It's just a big cleaning session, but it's always worth it. And keeping it looking good is is very important and helps you make more money. And play with your floor plan. I can't stress that enough. You'll be surprised that when you just move kettlebell racks and dumbbell racks to certain areas or you build squares, just the tape on the ground gets people's minds in the right place. Think last story I'll share. There was a study done in Texas where they had a strip of highways like 10 miles long and they threw a bunch of drivers on there before they painted lines. And you would think that people would go fast and crazy. In fact, they were scared to go fast. So the average speed was something like 35, 40 miles an hour. As soon as they went back and painted lines and random threw random drivers on there, the average speed jumped up to like 70 miles an hour, all because there's just paint on the asphalt. Doesn't stop any from getting in an accident. Doesn't stop anybody from, uh, from going off the road or anything. The paint does, just provides a visual cue, does not provide any safety measure but people felt more confident to go faster. Providing that, using the tape as a visual cue for your people to say, hey, this is strength station number one, this is strength station number two, will go a long way to increase the flow of your gym and increase the the flow of classes so that you can get more people in there and you can make more money in the same amount of time and you can have more members, which is really the business you want to be in is memberships. So with that, I uh, hope that's useful. If you have any questions about this, go ahead and email me, josh at Clinic Gym Hybrid. I am always happy to answer those questions. And once again, I would love to invite you to our live event, May 21st and 22nd at Parker University in Dallas, Texas. We're going to cover everything about, uh, everything I've talked about, floor plans, exercises, programming, putting together the business model, switching from a time for money model to a membership model. All those things will be covered in our live event, both the business plan, the exercises, and research supporting uh, the exercise themselves. So if you're interested, go to clinicgymhybrid.com slash live. Once again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com slash live. And if you're listening this far and you want a discount code, email me. I might be able to throw one your way if you sign up. So with that, I will sign off by, uh, as I always do, saying thanks for listening and Go out there, maximize your license, and live the life you dream of. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're looking for more information about me, about us, about our programs, then just head to clinicgymhybrid.com. Again, that's clinicgymhybrid.com. You can check us out there. Got our accelerator program and a few other programs that will help you get up and running as quickly as possible and making more money while providing excellent active therapy to your patients.